0: What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Hopefully you guys have had a um, good holiday, good Christmas, Hanukkah, and uh, maybe by the time you listen to it, hopefully a good new year. Probably going to be, I say probably, I would bet a lot of money. This will be the only show in December, but we'll be back in 2015, All chances are in 2015. I will um, do our – I think I've done it for maybe the last couple years is do my crystal ball or New Year's resolutions for 2015. We give those out to um, oftentimes the card companies, the industry, sometimes athletes, and uh, maybe even myself give those out. And if you have any, you can always uh, send them to me at sportscardshow at gmail.com or at sportscardradio. You can let me know, like, um, what are your – New Year's resolutions, I mean, you could you could say you want to learn how to play golf or, you know, more to the point. What are your New Year's resolutions for uh, collecting cards this year? Do you want to go after a certain set? Do you want to spend more money? Do you want to spend less money? Do you want to uh, start selling more cards? Do you want to sell less cards? Um, do you want to downside your collection? Do you want to grow it by exponential factors? You can always let me know. I'd be curious, actually, um, to hear what the uh, what people out there are, are want to do. What collectors want to do. Do you want to start collecting more next year? Do you want to collect less? What's the uh, sentiment out there? So it might be kind of interesting. You can always contact me and let me know. On today's show, though, before we get on into the new year and on to a different show... What are we going to talk about today? Well, there's been about a month of uh, all kinds of news and different things. So I have them written down and some of them are old news or news that hasn't been discussed in a few weeks. But, uh, you know, we we don't mind hitting the rewind button and revisiting some topics. 2014 Tops Chrome football came out and I you know, if I was really on the ball, I'd have the per- the current price and the wholesale price and all that stuff. But I might not even talk about that. But we'll talk about Tops Chrome Football. Tops is doing group breaks. That is right. I don't have anything other than what I initially found out. So there might actually, I might sound like an idiot. There might be some more additional information to this, or you guys might know. Chances are you'll know a lot more about it than me. But uh, thought it was interesting. Tops is doing group breaks tops again there might be more information on this tops don maddenley angel cards that's not necessarily the point i'm not necessarily talking about these to inform you or to provide a different perspective but uh, i think it just shows where the industry is heading or where it's at now tops don maddenley uh, dynasty or yeah i think that's what the product was called fake not fake but I uh, had an Angels patch I didn't know Don Manuelly played for the Angels and uh, maybe he did maybe he didn't check out my cards is doing uh, auctions now thought that was interesting speaking of fake cards we know that uh, Panini had trouble with uh, their flawless and appears uh, based on a YouTube video which I sh- will try to remember to place in the show notes YouTube video, someone took a flawless card to a diamond dealer, to a jewelry store, and the results of the diamond test might surprise you or might not. Finally, I have some basketball players uh, that I think are cool. Uh, selling strategy. Wow, this might be, I might have to take a break in this show at some point, but um, because I want to uh, an email or contacted me, want to know selling strategies, how to sell cards, where to sell them, some basic tips that I might have. Let's move right along into Tops Chrome football. Tops. Came out with Tops Chrome Football. I know a lot of people were really excited for it. Well. here's the deal with tops. You should always buy, and this is probably the case with almost every company. The products that will be collectible kind of, I think, in a short-term period, and maybe – oh, I I can't see that. We'll try to see into the future on our next show. But I can't tell you if limited products like, for example, Panini Spectra Basketball last year I think was like the only product – to really sell over and above its wholesale price. You know, maybe Flawless, maybe National Treasures are close or, or losing money. I don't know. But Spectra was like the clear winner last year. If you're buying and selling basketball boxes, the only one you probably would have made money on was Spectra Basketball. And it's because nobody ordered it or it was kind of in a weird window. I remember Panini came out with like a set that was expensive. I think National Treasures and I think maybe even Flawless or something else came around the same time period that made – pre-orders of a 200-some-odd-dollar box of a brand nobody had ever heard of or seen of in basketball uh, not seem worth it. And and apparently, I don't know, I I think I caught a few Spectra group breaks or just videos of people opening boxes, uh, and it looked pretty good, and it looked like you got some value out of there, but uh, apparently the value was pretty good. The wholesale price of that drove up. Now, why do I tell you that? Well, because... Products that everybody loves and everybody thinks that are going to be the sure home run, hit winner, save your money, buy cases, and, and hold them, and you'll send your kids to college, oftentimes are never good investments, just like all through the 90s. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, – when I t- even to this day, I talk to people about baseball cards. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I had some and I thought they were, you know, I was holding on to these cards I bought in the 90s of Will Clark and Ryan Sandberg. And I thought for sure I'd send my daughter to Princeton. Those sets never do well. And Tops Chrome Football, I think you could lump into that same thing everywhere I saw. I was like, oh, I got a case. I got a case. I got my case of Tops Chrome Football and it was overproduced and that's because tops may is a made they'll tell you guys they're made to order so if you're smart about this you would only order tops product that nobody wants that nobody's going to order (laughs) that chances are obviously on the dollar two dollar pack stuff on the low end it's hard to um really you know you can still make money on that stuff you know I'd argue that some of the lower end, the low dollar tops, and if I talk about when I talk about selling strategies later on the show, I'll tell you I've sold, I don't know, 50,000 cards, maybe more than that, Um, all under 25 cents usually, or around 25 cents. Sometimes the lower end stuff, the stuff that people ignore is actually what sells the best. And for future reference out there, for everybody out there going forward into the years in, in the future, if you plan on ordering cases, buying cases, trying to time that out the best you can, don't pre order anything, at least until tops change their policy, but don't order anything of tops that everybody else is ordering. If everybody's all excited about tops, Chrome, don't order it, don't buy it. It's going to be loaded up with a lot of no-name rookies, no-name hits. And, I mean, it does make, when you do hit a good card, when you do hit Johnny Manziel, when you do hit uh, Derek Carr, when you do hit Odell Beckham Jr., it's a great hit. And the cards are worth a little bit of money. But chances are you probably should have just spent that little bit of money and just bought the card and not opened up the boxes. So clearly an example tops chrome of uh the state of the hobby when tops could have limited production made it hard to get and the boxes would be 150 200 right now but no tops will just take every pre-order every last pre-order they get for tops chrome probably make a little bit extra for obviously extra for retail and all that but um it's it's just one of those business models that doesn't cater to you, the collector. If you're buying this stuff with the hopes of reselling, if you're buying it with the hopes of it going up or the hopes of hitting good cards, it all goes out the window when they make a ton of it. And I think I argued on the last show I know a lot of people claim, oh, the problem with the hobby, problem with that situation, everybody wanted to buy or a large percent of people wanted to buy Topps Chrome football and flip it or resell it. To me, it doesn't matter what people want to do with your product. If they want to buy it or resell, if they want to do whatever they want, if there's enough demand for it, it should be fine. There's plenty of people trying to buy and resell cell phones right now. And PlayStations and DVDs and video games and 2015 uh, wall calendars. Plenty of people trying to buy and resell those right now. But when it's a collectible product, when it's something like coins or sports cards, and you're the one buying it hoping that it's actually collectible one day, then... Because if people didn't care, if people didn't care that the cards were valuable or what they got or whatever, if it was just fun opening cards, nobody would care. But people do care. And so that's the problem with the industry. People do care what they buy and if they get something good or if they can resell it or if it's worth something in five years or whatever, whatever anybody's motivation is. People do care and Topps doesn't cater to it. Neither does Panini. So that's one of the big issues in the hobby, and and maybe that's something that we'll we'll talk about for 2015. More Tops news. Tops is doing group breaks. I should play if I was really super cool. I'd have sound effects on this podcast, and I'd play like I don't know what the music would be like some kind of coronation music. There's if I watched movies, I could probably figure out a scene in a movie to compare it to, but. Maybe there's music for Phoenix rising from the ashes, something like that. I think um, for years, been on this podcast, and and my brother's been in other outlets as well, podcasts and Twitter as well, saying the exact same thing. That I would never, never shock. Any any of us. This was years ago. I mean, now it's, oh, Tops is doing group breaks. But years ago, two, three years ago, that notion was like saying, we'll uh, step foot on Mars in my lifetime. Or in, in the next five years. So, Tops is running a promotion. Uh, I mean... It's kind of an interesting promotion. I got to say, it's one of the more creative ways a company probably could have used group breaks to its advantage. But essentially, they're putting redemption cards or exchange cards, however you want to call them, um, that'll have a TOPS product that is, is about to come out, like TOPS Triple Threads or TOPS Tribute. I think they're doing it for every single one of their products or most of their products. And it'll have a team underneath. So it'll have Blue Jays or the San Francisco Giants or the Oakland A's. And it it, it grants you the right into that break. And I guess to sell the right uh, to that break. So very interesting. Tops is going to be streaming. And I guess, again, there might be more updates to this. But from what I saw, they were going to do it on YouTube. And there, there should, a light bulb should go off on and some of you group breakers head, you know, using a product like YouTube. I think they've been, you have you know, certain publishers could, could stream to YouTube for years now, live stream for years. And I think they're rolling, they're probably rolling, I don't know, I don't know this for a fact, but chances are they're probably rolling that out to a larger number of people. So I think it'd be kind of interesting uh, to see how Topps pulls this off. I think um, they'll want to set the standard in terms of quality. I mean, really, it could go either way. Top's could blow everybody away with a nice studio and camera angles and just having it all organized because even you know you can imagine that they get customer service on questions all the time and you can imagine when somebody pulls this card they're going to want to know what time is the break when it is how can i watch uh all that when am i getting my cards uh so it could create more nightmares than uh customers And certainly part of group breaking we've seen, I mean, sure, if you guys watch these guys, a lot of them are bumbling idiots or just, you don't have to be on there and be like Johnny Carson or anything like that. Uh, But a lot of these guys, you know, if this was my son buying into group breaks, I don't need him uh, hearing the kind of words or looking at sweaty men that I wouldn't even let my I wouldn't want my son or certainly my daughter uh, talk to the fo- talk on the phone, let alone watch the guy on a webcam. So we'll see how Tops ends up pulling this off. But um, you know, I've been telling you guys for years that the the group breaking business is is. Is going to continue to go in the directions of. I mean, it was all it was foreign that blowout cards and DA and some of these other idiots would do group breaks too. And they've been doing them for a few years now. And now the companies are going to start doing them. And if you're a group breaker, find some other way to make money. I'm not saying that your group breaking money or that income will go poof, poof, and bye bye. But chances are at some point you're gonna get tired of being on camera and and kind of the grind of it all. and chances are bigger players, larger larger people with a much larger presence and a, a way to access customers are gonna start giving away the spots, might make them worthless. might bring attention to it, you know, might bring in some bring in some people that didn't didn't know it existed but you guys might not want the attention. Group breakers might not want the attention. Might not be able to handle extra you know a ton of sales, ton of new customers. Might not be able to handle that. Your business model might not be equipped. So we'll see what happens, but I thought that was interesting. We'll see. I'm definitely interested to see how that plays out and see if if Tops fails again at some effort Or if this is kind of a way to engage some of their customers and maybe um, acquire some new customers and, you know, get people excited about a product. Or add an extra layer of hit that you can open up. And cool, I hit the Yankees and uh, Topps Tribute Baseball. Cool, I'll sell it. Or whatever, I hit the Cubs. Moving right along to Fake Cards or uh, suspicious cards and it's you know I think I did uh, I've got plenty of feedback on our last show that I hope you guys heard the explicit warning at the beginning or saw it in the title but I think I did a good job of conveying how I felt and obviously in kind of an over the top manner and that's kind of just how we do here Sometimes entertain over-the-top entertainment is uh, is effective. But, so I'm not going to blast off here, but I'm equally as upset about the transgressions the last few weeks. A few weeks ago, Topps Dynasty Baseball, I don't know what the price of the box is now, but it was a total ripoff for one card. And uh, somebody pulled a Don Mattingly card that had a, it clearly was an Angels patch in it. And again, I don't know if there's information, if has made a statement or not. To me, it doesn't really matter. Shows you that these companies, again, my argument is they're making too much of this stuff. They're too bogged down. Again, we're not talking about Stanford graduates. Everybody, Oh, making cards is so hard. And oh, my God, it's, it's such a complex process. Not really, guys. Not really. Go to college and you'll have a class that's probably harder than making a set of cards. Trust me. And you're paying to do that. They're paying. Panini and Tops are paying people to make these cards. And you, the customer, are paying these people to do the cards. Right. And you can go to college and pay out of your own pocket thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and have one class in one semester that's harder than making a set of cards. So I don't buy this, oh, it's so hard to make cards. No, it's not. A lot of you out there probably have far more significant and difficult jobs That require more either physical labor or skill or experience or whatever it is than making cards. They hire like 20-year-olds fresh out of college. Or people, their only experience is, is, is is collect, buying, and selling cards themselves. Or writing about cards or whatever it is. Or, oh, I stumbled into this job at wherever. The sports card community is not harvesting the world's next great leaders or the great innovators and idea men and women. Trust me, these people are relatively low skill. Again, I'm not trying to insult anybody. A lot of people out there that that are relatively low skill and low value in terms of what they provide to the economy and to the world. And for the most part, what Tops and Panini and, and Upper Deck and all these companies produce is relatively low importance to the overall scheme of things. And so they attract low, I wouldn't say low quality. There's certainly employees out there. Leaf has an employee that I have to really re- respect and value his opinion. And he has a lot of uh, experience in the industry. And there's other uh, people out there that are probably in this industry that at least have some knowledge. Not a lot of them work at these card companies, though. And not a lot of them, if they do work at the card companies, are directly involved in actually manufacturing the cards. So my point is, when things like Taps Don Lee Angels comes out with an Angels patch, oh, it's a mistake. Oh, it's come on, guys. It's not that hard to make cards. Yes, mistakes happen. But when they do, you need to address them. At least Panini addressed. We'll, we'll, you know, right. Pretty much not right away, but they address the situation. And they might have. Really, in hindsight, Panini probably should have waited another day until they made their first response. Because their first response obviously was kind of a panic. There was panic, I'm sure, inside Panini. The guy that was responsible for putting the fake jersey cards or the player-worn jersey cards, and he knew it. Whoever did this set, or maybe it was a group of people, they knew what they were doing. They probably tried to figure out some story, and they realized it wouldn't fly. And so a couple days later, they had to make another statement. But, I don't know if Panini's made a statement on this, but I'll post a YouTube video that is at least entertaining. A gentleman brings in two, I believe, two Panini Flawless cards uh, to a jeweler to have them tested. And the diamonds, one of the diamonds, I believe, uh, was was found to be fake. Not a real diamond, so shocking. Panini puts in jerseys that, that weren't even worn by the player. At, at you know at best and the diamonds inside the diamond cards aren't even real <laughs> so again shows us where we are with this hobby people wonder why i'm on here just telling you guys all the time why well for one i'm not like ass slapping the the industry or saying guys go back go buy you know, tops mini chrome football guys, go out and buy it or go buy this set or go buy that set or go do this. No, nah, it's not worth it. It's not worth buying this stuff anymore. Companies don't care. They're putting fake diamonds and missing the jersey cards and putting player-worn stuff in in $1,600 boxes. These guys don't care anymore. Don't support them. Don't buy any of this stuff. And I'm sure if we keep looking, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, you'll find more and more cases of this. This is not just, oh, one mistake or one set or one card trust me there's a pattern here it just doesn't materialize overnight keep digging and you'll find that you know there's a reason why people like me and i'm kind of in the minority it feels like tells people not to buy this stuff don't support these companies they're idiots they're crooks Based on my track record, just in predicting the group breaking industry, where that was heading, what that was doing years ago. And now we're there. Quote, big breakers are, have fallen off and come back and, and left again. No, and now DA and Blowout, oh, they do breaks too. That's no big deal. Oh, and now Tops is doing breaks. So we'll see. Let's see if my predicting strategies are as good. This was I wrote this like I wrote this note down of these four NBA, three NBA players a week or two ago. and Admittedly, they've I wouldn't say cooled off, but they've settled, come back down to earth is usually one of the terms I like to use. Occasionally, NBA players and every sport guys b- break out, and then you know, especially in the NBA, it, you know, in the NFL. It's one thing you get hot for four weeks, and if it's the right four weeks, you're a legend. Whereas in NBA, yeah, you could get hot for four weeks, but you know, unless it's the NBA Finals, nobody's really going to care. But the Sixers aren't as bad as as I, they're still a bad team. But I'm slowly, I, I'm guessing it's kind of like one of those, it's like Amazon. Like if you own Amazon shares, for the last 10, 15 years, Amazon has like, has like one quarter where they've made money. So in three months, out of the last 10 years, Amazon's made money. Every other time, every other situation, they've lost money. Amazon's lost money. That's why everybody loves to shop there because the website doesn't even make any money. So, you know, I can see if you're a Sixers fan, you kind of need that perspective because it's like, oh, we trade this guy and we get nothing or we trade a guy and we end up cutting him. And now we're starting. I mean, they're starting some guys that probably shouldn't be Nazir Muhammad and this other guy that shouldn't be starting. But there's some talent on the Sixers. Robert Covington has come straight out of the D League and uh, is solid. If you're in you know, like a twelve man, fourteen man, certainly fourteen man, uh NBA uh, fantasy league, God, you gotta have Robert Covington. He would have been one of the best waiver wire pickups of the first month of the season. He's not he's a good, good player. And he's probably a lot better because he's on the Sixers and there's really you know, there's no veteran that's gonna like Rodney Stuckey or someone like that that's gonna take a bunch of shots. Um so or, Robert Covington's not a bad player. Nerlens Noel, here's a guy that if you pulled his cards and you put him in the box, he's not going to blow up anytime soon, but I like his game. Just like Robert Covington. He might have, obviously, in the deeper circles of NBA collecting, he's probably gotten some love, but a lot of you probably haven't even heard of him. Uh Nerland's Noel, obviously, most of you heard of because it was a top pick and, and he was out all last year. He's a good player. He's a very good player. I think he could become like a slightly better like Rasheed Wallace uh, if he gets his jumper. He doesn't have the jumper right now, but he blocks shots. He can defend relatively effectively uh, for a first, essentially a first year player. I think he's only like 20 years old. He's not very old. Um, So obviously, I mean, he's a rookie, but he came in. Yeah, he was like 19, 18, 19 when he came in. He's a solid player. Both, I think, especially Noel, I'd rather have a Noel, a Noel card. If you gave me the choice, with like a would I rather game, uh, would I rather buy a Michael Carter Williams rookie to hold for the next five years or Nerlens Noel? I'm probably going with Noel. Carter Williams is just a low percentage shooter. He's a little bit better running the team, a point guard right now, but I just think he's one of those in between players. At some point in career, he's going to be an in between guy. He's not going to be good enough to play point guard, and he's not going to be a good enough player, uh, a shooter, to play two guard. So, really, he better play good defense. His niche, his role will be to play defense, I think, at some point in his career. Unless he really he has to work on his game too, and it's possible he might. He obviously has the talent, but he's more of a volume shooter. And I think as that team developer, if he gets traded, um, he's not going to get the volume to be you know a really really collectible player. Noel not might not be really end up being super collectible, but he he's a pretty solid player. And obviously they have Noel uh, Embiid, um, Joel Embiid. Um, I think he's going to miss the whole year for the Sixers, but you know, they have, if they, you never know what the Sixers are going to do. They keep trading guys and it looks like they're just trying to get rid of people. They'll be up. I've seen games where it clearly that they're trying to, they'll be up. uh, They'll finally take the lead in a game and then the coach will take out some starters and put in guys that shouldn't even be on an NBA roster and put them in with five minutes to go in a game. I've seen that several times. Just, it, the Sixers are clearly trying to lose games, but if you have a, a two-, three-, four-year perspective and this group, core group of guys that they have can stick together, it's not a bad group, not a horrible group. They all need to work on their games individually. And, but if they do, Sixers, especially in the East, could easily be a playoff team maybe in two or three years. Shabazz Muhammad. Muhammad. For the t- just Talking about another bad team, I've probably lost half of you, but we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around here in about five minutes and talk about uh, buying and selling cards. But Shabazz Muhammad, I mean, I'm talking about the Sixers and the Minnesota Timberwolves, so you can tell uh, what my favorite sport is considering I've actually watched these teams several times many of these games uh, this year. You can also get an idea of what I do every day. Uh, Shabazz Muhammad it's a good player. Really, he's breaking out of his shell, and now he's getting minutes and opportunities. And like and, uh they traded uh the Timberwolves traded Corey Brewer, who kind of was not a volume shooter, but he he was starting and taking a lot of the opportunity and the shots. Um and they're, they're missing Ricky Rubio. Uh Thaddeus Young has been, you know, his mom I know passed away, and so I feel bad about him. But at some point you're a pro and you get paid. Uh he's not had a very good season although he's had a lot last couple of games he's been better but Shabazz Muhammad is a guy you want to take a look or dig through your boxes i think if you're a basketball guy or you occasionally buy basketball you want to go back through and if you if you kind of want to sell maybe not a sell high but sell when a guy's hot um i wouldn't say that Shabazz Muhammad is hot but he's certainly warmer than he was a month ago and the same with all these guys, Nerlens Noel and Robert Covington, especially Covington and Shabazz Muhammad. These guys have basically come out of not necessarily nowhere, but have certainly gotten some hobby relevance uh, to, you know, obviously more hardcore. I wouldn't say that their cards have doubled or tripled or selling for lots of money. Um, but again, you know, it's a game of benefit. Mostly if you i will get into buying and selling cards, it's a volume game at some point. And if you want to sell more to peaks instead of when a guy is in a valley, uh, Shabazz Muhammad and Robert Covington, certainly, guys. You want to again, if you have, if you're not a buyer or seller, it's regardless. If you have boxes of cards laying around that you you have basketball cards in, you might want to go back through and see if you have either of those two players because they're both obviously getting more relevant. And the longer they sustain it, then they become uh, uh, actually very relevant. You know, there's lots of examples of a guy, you know, Jeremy Lin's probably the greatest example ever in the NBA or almost any sport of how a guy can get hot in a very short window. And that's clearly when you want to sell. You never, 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 never want to buy in those those windows, because it, I mean, Jeremy Lin's now on the Lakers. He was on the Knicks, and now if you would have said, in a, in when it was going through Lin Satie, oh, in a few years he's going to be on the Lakers, his cards probably would have doubled again. But he's not even starting most nights, so. Just not saying sell high on Muhammad or Covington, but if you feel like it, it's not a bad time. Moving right, I went Jabari Parker. That was my other note here. He's cooked. He got hurt. It's really, you know, it sucks for NBA collectors. This year looked like it was going to be good. Wiggins, I, I have watched, again, a lot of Timberwolves games. Wig I keep telling my brother is like, nah, Wiggins is weak. And maybe not weak, but my, I don't think my brother sees the potential I see in Wiggins. I think Andrew Wiggins is going to be a very, very good NBA player. I think. Obviously, he has to stay healthy. Obviously, he has to work on his game. He has to lift some weights. He has to be in the right situation, but he has all the tools. And, and then, you know, you could say that about a lot of NBA players, but Wiggins has kind of those special tools that will make him a special player, not just a good NBA player, but one that could potentially be in the top four or five in scoring and be a, a really, really good player. I've seen him it flashes of brilliance from him occasionally. He obviously needs to get a lot more consistent and more confident and experience. But I think once that comes, I think he's gonna be a good player. So I I don't think Wiggins cards are probably a value now because we have Julius Randall hurt, uh, Marcus Smart, and Boston's been on and off hurt and starting and not starting. He's not that good of a player. He plays really hard, and that that might be a problem. Might keep getting hurt um, because he plays pretty hard um and now Jabari Parker is done for the year. So it's and Joel Embiid is like her, like half of the lottery is out for the year. So not good. Not good. Shows you again why I got out of this business. I was in this business and got in on a hot rookie class. Got in when LeBron or the year before actually LeBron and um you know I actually got in a year before in anticipation of LeBron. Um but yeah, it's just a hot and cold business. And more often than not, it's getting colder. It's getting harder. So stay out. Selling and perfect transition. Maybe you should sell your cards. Maybe your New Year's resolution. Remember, I'm I'm fielding those. You can send me an email, sportscardshow at gmail.com or at sportscardradio or any other means you might find necessary. Let me know what you're collecting. Maybe you're buying more cards. Maybe I'm wrong. But I bet we have a certain percentage of listeners out there that want to sell some of their cards that want to get rid of them, or maybe even their wife or their kids or whoever's. They got to sell for whatever reason. They need the money or they need the space or both. Doesn't matter. Some selling strategies. One thing I thought that was interesting is checking my cards is beta testing auctions. So that might bring a whole new liquidity. To check out my cards, which I think is, is, is interesting. I think right now only either select sellers or check out my cards themselves is selling stuff via auction on the site. But I thought it's an interesting thing. If you're into selling cards via auction. Like the, the complaint a lot of people have on, is on check out my card. Here's the, here's the rub about check out my cards. is If you're not the lowest price and the card's not hot, which is probably 99% of cards out there your card isn't going to sell you got to be the lowest price and if you're not even on the, the second or third or fourth lowest price your card's never going to sell never going to sell especially the high the higher dollar stuff just doesn't sell as fast anyways it's not it's not like ebay where the only cards that really sell on ebay are typically you know three four or five dollar and up cards Whereas it's really the opposite on check on my cards. If you want to sell a bunch of cards, you need to buy the little 5 cent, 8 cent, 9 cent cards and sell them for, you know, hopefully 15 cent, 20 cent, 25 cent, 75 cents, but rarely over 75 cents and rarely over a quarter. I would say the vast majority of my cards that I sell on check on my cards aren't over a quarter and are guys that. That aren't famous, that had one good year, or it's some set that everybody thinks the cards are worthless, 1992 tops or 1990 tops or whatever, or 90s football. Vintage stuff, if you have vintage stuff, it, it sells very well as well on checking my cards, especially at a low price. I'm always buying, people blow out vintage cards on there for 10 cents, 15 cents, and they sell for 25 cents, 30 cents, 50 cents all day long. So on, on check out my cards, I think that's now become a very relevant uh, place to sell. Um, I recommend, I should probably do a video. I could describe my method of buying cards on there. I've bought 64,000 to date, over 64,800 cards, and I have a method to buying them. And my brother has, has developed a method to buying those cards. And I've sold 58,000 cards. So my ratio is not bad. I mean, I've sent in 9,000 cards myself. But I've sold a large percentage of the cards um, that I've sent in. And I have about 15,000 right now. And I bought, I think over the last few months, over 5,000 cards. And I would say 99.9% of them are under 25 cents. Are you going to make my strategy? Is my strategy going to make you a bunch of money in, in a three month time frame? No. Is it going to make you a bunch of money in a year? No. But I have a much longer time perspective on check on my cards. I look at it as kind of a long, much longer term investment that I buy and acquire all these cheap cards and I sell them. And I make, you know, five, 10 cents, 10 cents, 15 cents here and there. And if you do that over a long period of time. I'm not really in it to make money. It's kind of just a way to stay engaged in the hobby. It's kind of fun, and it does make a little bit of money over a long period of time. I mean, I've had twenty three thousand dollars worth of sales, but believe me I've never drawn a check for twenty thousand or anything like that. You know, yeah, I've had thousand dollar two thousand dollar checks, I think even three thousand dollar checks that I've withdrawn. Because I didn't really need that much money on the site there's only so many 10 cent cards you can buy and you know a couple hundred dollars on there goes a long ways but that's my strategy if you're if you're trying to sell on check out my cards you got if you're sending in your cards you got to be the lowest price otherwise they're not going to sell they're gonna sit there the other thing is to maybe have a little bit longer time horizon on check out my cards if you're trying to flip the cards just go to eBay don't waste your time But if you have a much longer time period, or you have a little bit older stuff, stuff that's not hot, stuff that's not going up or down um, as quickly as some of these current players are, check on my cards might be for you. But if you're really trying to make money and trying to buy and sell, you need to buy and sell the cheap stuff. Five cent, 10 cent. Again, it's not every card. I'd have to do a YouTube video to probably properly explain it. Um, But there's a method to buying five and 10 cent, you know, usually eight to 10 cent cards, 15 cent cards. And how to identify which ones to buy? Because I don't, I don't care who the player is. I don't care what the set is. All it's all about supply and demand. It's all about how much supply is on the site and how much demand is for the cards. eBay Bay. eBay Bay is going to be. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens to eBay in the next two or three years. Um, You have the presence of Alibaba and their business model that could end up coming, could buy eBay. They could easily buy eBay. They could um, pressure, you know, they could come to market with something, not maybe Alibaba itself, but maybe buy up or or build up another platform and compete directly with it. Um, And it might change eBay's business model. We know for sure eBay and PayPal are splitting up right now. They're combined companies and now they're split. They're splitting up here pretty soon. eBay is going to have to stand on its own or it's going to have to get bought out or something. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens. But at the current moment, I don't think I would. I would just want eBay to be a piece of my selling. If I was selling on eBay, I'd only only want it to be a sliver I wouldn't say, hey, I'm going to open up an eBay store and make a living. You know, there's there's very few people that just sell cars. There's very, very few people doing that. It's not who you think there's there's people out there that tweet and blog and and, and you know, might show off a big case breaks or big rips there. That's not a real job for most of those people. It's more of a hobby. Much more of a hobby. doesn't pay the bills. It's not paying the bills. Trust me. The guys paying their bills, you know, there's sellers out there like it, but they have a much, much more diverse uh, way to buy the cards other than to call up some distributor and buy it. There's, there's no one really doing that and making money, whether it's opening the boxes or selling the boxes themselves. With eBay, it's all about how you're buying. If you want to make eBay at least a little bit of money, it's all about your buying. How can you buy it at the lowest possible price? Or on eBay, it's the value add. It's hard to do with cards, but um, in other places on eBay, you can sell the exact same product maybe everybody else's, just bundle it together or put a bow on it or put it in a basket or whatever. My My... My other thing with eBay is feedback is very important and if you're selling thousands of things a day, I don't think you need to work, worry too much about feedback as long as it's generally positive because you know you could have a, a bad mark or a bad week and you can make it up by selling thousands of items and getting thousands of positives to kind of bury those negatives. But if you're only selling every once in a while, you need to take very care of your eBay account. You need to make sure you communicate very well with people. And don't look to cut corners. This is one of the most frustrating things I see. I see people try to act like they're a big seller when they only sell four or five things a month. They cut corners on communication or filling out the listing or uh, you know, having front and back photos and, and really going the extra mile to communicate with people. Don't think you, oh, I need to cut back on tape and packaging and I need to just show the front of the card and and say and and do a really generic description. No. If you only sell a couple items, go all out, have a template, have flashing lights, have, uh, you know, pump the card as hard as you can to, you know, put his box score that he just scored 23 points. I don't know. But take a little bit extra time, and especially on the customer communication side. So if somebody wins the auction and say you have to go out of town or say you're busy and you didn't get it out the the very first day, be honest with people. Be upfront. That's always the best way to kind of squash a, a potential negative feedback on eBay is to be up front. Say, hey, I know you won this auction. You paid with PayPal yesterday afternoon. I got busy at work, but I, you know, I'm going to go, I got your card all packaged up. Here's the, the, the tracking number or whatever. I'm going to get you the tracking m- number by tomorrow morning when I mail it out. If you're a big seller, forget it you're a big seller you're cutting corners on packaging you're cutting corners every place you can to because every penny you save on the process ends up going right in your pocket but if you're a small guy don't worry about that um a website a lot of people oh i want to have my own e-commerce store i you know unless you have thousands and i mean thousands of cards Just ready to sell. I mean, a lot of us have thousands of cards, but nobody wants half of them or 90% of them. If you have a bunch of autograph cards and a bunch of jersey cards and a bunch of stuff that probably does sell and you're willing to price it right because it's not going to sell if you put full book value on every single one of your cards on a website. It's not going to just magically sell because it's on a website. It's got to be priced right. It's got to be have some kind of demand. But if you meet those two things, set up a website because you're going to save costs in terms of eBay and you're also going to get uh, more return. There's less competition. Think about it. If somebody goes to eBay even to check your own auctions, he's going to be able to compare you against 50 other people. Whereas if he comes directly to your website, you know, he'd have to go to type in some other address to compare him. Mean, you know, we might have eBay up at the same time. But that's why you've got to price it competitively and you got to have a card or cards that are in demand. And it's a great way to cross sell if you are selling quite a bit on eBay. Include in every single package. You can print out on one sheet of paper probably 50 different things. I mean, that's really all you need. You could get business cards for probably pennies per, maybe even less than that, maybe a penny per business card and slip them into um every product that you sell, especially if you sell a lot, you'll notice people will definitely go to your website. But you know, most of us aren't in that position, but might still want a website. I would suggest specializing in something that way. Your website looks like it's, you know, it's worth going to. If I just have a mishmash of Jersey cards and relic cards and autograph cards and rookie cards from the last 50 years of cards, it's not going to be that memorable. Unless the prices are just ridiculously low. But if I have a web store. All one of one cards. All, only one of one cards. One of one dot com or whatever. Dot net. Or I have all Green Bay Packer cards. Or I have all uh, you know, book cards. Or I have all golf cards. Or I have only sell soccer cards. I think that's where you start. You're able to mark. You're able to find your market easier, and your your market is going to be more encouraged to instead of blah 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 sportscards.net, it's soccer only or only one of ones.com or only Green Bay Packer. I mean, you, you might want to not want to use team names. Uh, definitely don't want to use team names um, inside your domain name, um, but. You get what I'm saying. Specialize in something so when you do find your target market, they're willing to click through. People set up these A and B sports cards, and it's like how many of those card sites do you get promoted every single day? Same with group breaks. Blah, 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 groupbreak.com. Come buy in. I, You know, got the best breaks around and whatever. Everybody says that. But if you were like blah, 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 golfbreaks.com or exclusive only golfbreaks.com, Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm interested. Maybe I'll come in and and give it a shot. And you can always grow from there. You can either say, okay, now that I have this kind of customer base, I'm going to go back. I'm going to be A and B sports cards now. The other strategy might be I'm going to have golfbreaks.com but then I'm going to go buy football onlyfootballbreaks.com and then I'm going to go buy onlybaseballbreaks.com and I'm going to buy only hockey and kind of create this image across four or five different sports. You do the same thing with sports cards. Onlygolfcards.com, onlyhockeycards.com. That would be my my my, you know, to the masses, that would be my suggestion. Obviously, there's rare people with the talent like Tim at Check On My Cards and his family, a lot of his family and friends work there as well and are responsible for the growth of the site as well. And obviously, employees that they've hired have uh, contributed uh, greatly. If you have ambition and intelligence and the know-how uh, in other, you know, setting up computer systems or kind of organizing that stuff, then yeah, go bigger, shoot higher than having only golfbreaks.com. But I would say 99.9% of the people I meet out there don't have that kind of drive, ambition, and capabilities. That's why there, you know, something like check out my cards has has materialized in the last six, seven years. Last thing is like on forums. If you're trying to sell cards, trying to buy cards, um, don't forget about the forums. And I suggest just. Signing up for them all and trying whatever you're trying to do. Whether you're trying to sell some cards or buy some cards. Just try them all and then figure out which one you get the best responses for. But again, be ready to price your cards right. People aren't going to just go to a forum and pay $4 over eBay value for it. You got to offer them some kind of reason to buy your cards. Whether that's combined shipping is one. Or the fact that they can send you a check, maybe. Maybe that could be another reason why, you know, obviously wait for the check to clear. But uh, some people might want to pay for it with a check. I don't know. But 50 minutes, I think we've, you know, you don't need these shows to be much longer than that. So we'll wrap things up. We'll be back. 2015. And uh, talk about – we'll do some New Year's resolutions for sports card companies, for pillars and leaders of the industry. I'll do some uh, group breaking. I'll probably do a group break uh, New Year's resolution for group breakers. I'll do New Year's resolutions for collectors. If nobody contacts me, um, I'll develop my own opinion. If people contact me, I'll be able to form my opinion that way. Um, We'll do – maybe I'll have – group or I'll have uh, new year's resolutions for the show on uh, my own collection. I'll do that. And uh, so you have that to look forward to, but until then enjoy the time off, hopefully you have some time off uh, from your job or school or whatever it might be. Um, but if not your number one, a number one new year's resolutions for 2015 should actually be to work less. Not necessarily make less money or be lazier, but uh, figure out a way to relax a little bit. Hang out with your family or do whatever you think would be cool to do. Take a vacation, play more golf, play more basketball, sign up for a class, go back to college, whatever it might be. But have a little bit more fun. That would be my, uh, that's always my New Year's resolution. Have a little bit more fun, relax, relax. Uh, So until then, with that, we are out of here.